How you doing, church? Happy Easter to you. Come on. Wow. How many of y'all know Easter's a pretty big deal? Come on, somebody. Come on. Hey, if I haven't had the opportunity to introduce myself, my name is Rick Paladin, lead pastor here at Bridge City Church. I'm so excited that you're here. We're one church in four locations, and this is one of eight worship experiences that we're having today. So hey, thanks so much. You could be in a lot of different places, and you could be worshiping in a lot of different ways, but you're here with us today, and we're really, really excited about that. And uh, I believe I have something good to communicate with you about Easter Sunday, and I believe it's going to help you on your Monday through Saturday because that's what it's all about. Amen? Good deal. Hey, uh, a lot of years ago, decades ago, something really significant happened in uh, my life. And actually, it probably affected everybody here that lives in Pittsburgh. It probably affected your life to some way or another, even if you weren't alive then or even if you're not aware that it happened. And for those of um, us in the room that are old school, we remember something that happened with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, There was a player, they had Franco Harris, a Pittsburgh Steeler. And uh, the Pittsburgh, up to this time, the Steelers were perennial losers. I mean, they were losers year after year after year. They did nothing but lose. And right when I was eight years old, something significant happened. Late in the game, last play of the game here, Franco Harris, the ball was tipped off somebody, and he had what's called the immaculate reception. Now, this is something that, um, that not, not everybody knows about, but when you come to the Pittsburgh airport right now, you, actually, when you come in, this is one of the first shrines that they have in Pittsburgh because how important, um, how important football is to our city. The other one's George Washington, but he's secondary to Franco Harris, just for the record. And, um, and so he made this catch, this spectacular catch, ran it in for a touchdown, won the first playoff game. And for the last 50 years, the Steelers have been to a lot of Super Bowls. They've been winners. Now, I don't know that it happened like, 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 quite like this, but somehow I remember this happening. My dad and my three older brothers, uh, somehow right about then, it was like, you live in Pittsburgh. This is your, now your football team. This is your team. You're going to follow this football team. This is, this is our team. Now, I don't know if that happened like with, with you at your home, but somehow all of us that are Pittsburgh Steelers fans, do we have any Steelers fans here today? Yes, Anybody? There's a, yeah, very good. Okay, I see those hands. And somehow it's like this is your team. And they went, from, they went from losers to winners. And so for the last 50 years, been following them through a lot of ups and lots of downs and everything in between, some lots of wins and, a, and, and victories and a lot of losses as well. But you know what? There is something more important than happen, happened than even the immaculate reception. And it happened over 2,000 years ago. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My friends, this is, this is a really, really big deal. And I met Jesus in a personal way over 40 years ago. And 40 years ago, Jesus became my forgiver. He became my leader. He became every, he, he became some of my life is now based on. To be honest, over 40 years, I've had a lot of highs and a lot of lows and everything in between. I've had a lot of victories with Jesus. I've had some challenges and suffering with Jesus. I've had everything in between. But you know what? I'm still a follower of Jesus. Right. He became My God, a personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's worth bragging about. And and I just love that fact right there. Now listen, 
What, when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's more than just something to be believed in. It's something to be accepted and received. Hey, I want to start off today reading two verses to you out of the Gospel of John, chapter 20. John 20 here. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. You know, can you imagine all the things that Jesus did? This, this is only the YouTube highlights. That's all this is. There's so much more that he did that weren't even recorded in here. But say these are written, and this is why they're written. So that you may continue to believe in Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now this today, Resurrection Sunday, is so that we will continue to believe that Jesus, the Messiah, is the one, the Son of God. And by believing in him, we will have life and power by his name. Now, isn't that exciting? He doesn't just want us to believe in him. He wants to give us life and power in his name. But the problem is, is sometimes it's just hard to believe. Just like that immaculate reception, there's people that always argue. Every time that comes up, he, he, Franco didn't really catch that ball. And I say, do you have any evidence that Franco didn't? No, but I just, I just choose not to believe it. Well, if you choose to not to believe something, I can't help you. But with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I just want to let you know that the resurrection of Jesus is one of the most historically reliable and globally significant events in the history of the world. It is, I mean, it is proven. History proves it out. It's not just blind faith. It's faith based on something. Now, in the Bible, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four Gospels, four writers of the good news of Jesus. In all four of those Gospels, the resurrection is recorded. That's like Jesus saying, like four times, I really want you to get this. Now, how many parents out there? How many parents out there? Any parents? Come on. How many of y'all can relate to this? Clean your room. I said, clean your room. Hey, clean your room. I said, clean your room. How many, how many are going to relate to that? Four times. When you said get to something four times, it's pretty important. Am I right or wrong? See, four times, God wanted us to get something here. It would be equal to one story that happened, and all four major networks carried that story. All four major networks said, this story is too big. Now, each network may report it just a little differently, just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they all recorded it, that this happened. This was significant. So what's so significant? How can you say it's, it's verifiable? There's substantial evidence of the resurrection. Yes, there is. There's very substantial evidence. It was a public trial and execution. This was done publicly in Jerusalem, where there would have been over a million people in Jerusalem at this time. Over a million people watching what's, going, what, what's happening here at the time of Passover. A million people seeing this. People saw him die and they get buried. People saw the empty tomb. There were eyewitness testimonies. People saw him after the resurrection. They talked with him after the resurrection. They ate with him after the resurrection. All these things are, are undeniable truths here. And then he appeared to over 500 people at one time. What's the chances you could get 500 people all to lie about something or hallucinate about something all at the same time? 
Think about this. Over and over and over again, we see in history undeniable significant truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Out of all history and everything that's recorded in history, I want to let you know there has never been, there is, there is, there is <coughs> zero, zero evidence, historical evidence denying the resurrection. There's zero evidence denying it. That means in all of history, if you look at the writings, nobody has ever denied the resurrection. They, 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 they can't. It's, it's one of those things that you can't, you can't stop. Right now on today, what we recognize as Easter Sunday, all over the world right now, all over this planet, every church is talking about the same thing today, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can't, we can't chase it. We can't change that. A, we, 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 you can't run far enough to hide from it. It's a significant thing. That, that's why it's so important here. It validates the resurrection. It validates everything Jesus said and, did, said and did. It confirms our freedom from sin. He gives us access to the grace by now which we stand. It confirms the promise of everlasting life. Do you know what happens, unfortunately, in our Christian lives? We, just like if you've ever been to the airport, you just brush by. You just brush by that picture of a friend. Who cares? I don't know what happened. Yeah, don't know what that is. We do that with the resurrection power of Jesus. We come to church. We just brush by it. We walk by it, and it's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we know. Yeah, up from the grave he arose. Oh, yeah, oh, this. But we, we miss the significant power of it. We miss the significant thing that Jesus did for us. And I believe one of the reasons we miss it, one of the reasons we struggle with it, is, is unbelief. We, it's just hard to believe. Now, I, I, I'm going to unpack a couple stories of people who encountered Jesus after the resurrection, and they had trouble believing it. They had trouble with their faith. If they walked with him, talked with him, saw him, and, and they had trouble with their faith, how much more do you think we'll have trouble with our faith at one time or another? Everybody will have a crisis of faith at some point in their life. I've been a follower of Jesus for decades. I've had crises of unbelief in my life. But if I had to keep working through them and going back to the resurrection and go back to what I know, because in times of uncertainty, we focus on what is clear. And we're, we're going to focus on these facts of the resurrection. So we're going to look at a couple of these, these things. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to believe in the life-changing power of the resurrection? I believe there's three things, grief and pain unmet expectations, guilt, and shame. I believe these are three common responses to why we have trouble with the resurrection power. Now, I think if I would, if I would pull uh, everybody in this room right now, everybody that attended all eight of our worship experiences, and, and I would say that almost everybody believes in God. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Oh, yeah, I believe in him. Oh, I believe there is a God. A lot of people even say, oh, yeah, I believe in you know, the, the cross of Jesus. But, but there's a difference when just saying, I believe in something, to I believe and I'm going to put my trust in him. Right. I'm going to trust Jesus now for my life and for the power. These things were written that we could have life and power in his name. Right. That's what I want. How about you? Yeah. 
I don't just want a good memory. I don't just want a good event. I don't just want a good church service. I want to see and experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm after, and that's what I'm looking for. That's what I hope we're going to find here. So, hey, let's look at this first one together. Grief and pain. In Luke chapter 24, Luke 24, here we, here we go, verse 1. Now, this is after Jesus was dead. They buried him in the tomb. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. I want to pause right there and say that it's pretty interesting that women were the first ones to go to the tomb. Now, women were the first ones. My wife in the front row just said, come on. Come on, women were the first ones. Now, I have a theory of why that may have been. I, just, I, I think maybe they just weren't afraid to stop and ask directions to the tomb. That's how they found it. That's just my thought. Maybe Peter, James, and John, like, they was like, let's buy the tree somewhere. Let's go down and find the tree. I don't know. Yeah, they stopped for coffee. Don't do that. And um, so, they, so, they, so women were the first ones there. And so they showed up. They had spices for his burial. It was Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene. There was another woman there. And they found that the stone was rolled away from the entrance. But they, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men appeared to them. In, in bedazzled robes. Not really bedazzled. I threw that in there. In dazzling robes. Like these were angel guys. They were big and strong. And they were, they were there. And the women were terrified. And they bowed down with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. But isn't it interesting here? Mary, the mother of Jesus, had trouble believing that he really did. He, that he was risen from the dead. And I want you to catch this. Of all people that should believe, his mom should have believed him. I mean, she was there. She, she realized that it wasn't immaculate reception, but immaculate conception. She heard everybody tell stories about who Jesus would be. She knew him. She, she experienced the miracles. She was a follower of him. I say this all the time when my mom, and for decades she's been a part of the church, she was here at the first worship experience. You know, I could preach the worst message on the planet, but my mom would always come and tell me it was good. How many of y'all can relate to that? How many moms out there? Come on. That's an early Mother's Day gift right there. Come on. And, uh, but, but, but see, moms, they follow. Just think of this. They didn't go to see a risen Lord. They, they, they went to expect him to be dead. They, didn't, they couldn't believe because there was grief, because there was pain, because of all these things that were going on in their life. They couldn't get to the resurrection power of Jesus. They heard. They saw. But they had trouble experiencing that. that is, I, I believe that, that's a challenge that we have. We all have grief and pain in our lives. But they forgot what Jesus said in John 16, 20. Red letters, words of Jesus. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. And the world's going to rejoice. 
Jesus is predicting when I die, they put me in the tomb. The world's going to rejoice. You're going to weep and you're going to mourn. But you will grieve, but your grief will suddenly be turned to wonderful joy. Isn't that exciting? Come on. Come on. Our grief can go to joy when we, when we go back to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Jesus was preparing them, but because of doubt, because of pain, because of grief, because of suffering, they saw him die. They saw him beaten. They saw him whipped. They saw the, the spear go in his side. That was too much for them to handle. And many of us in our lives, we have grief and pain. And we can, can't experience the, the power of the resurrection of Christ because of our own grief and pain. There's another person that I believe could have been experiencing so much grief and pain and doubt that they couldn't see Jesus. It was somebody called Thomas. Now, in the Bible, in, in, for years in church, we refer to him as doubting Thomas. Now, how would you like it after 2,000 years? Everybody still remembered you as the one who doubted. That wouldn't be a good, that would not be the adjective that I want to describe my life. How about you? Oh, yeah, that's Doubting Thomas. How about even when you're alive? Oh, there's the one who doubts. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Isn't that really good? I don't, want, I don't want to be that guy. How about you? But many of us do doubt God at times. I doubt God at times because of what I see in the natural. And I see things happen. I was like, oh, where's God? So here in John 20, after the resurrection, they go to Thomas, one of the followers, and they told him, we have seen the Lord. He said, uh-huh, I won't believe it. I won't believe it at all until, unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wounds in his side. See, many people are like, yeah, if God's so good, God's so real, prove it to me. Show me. I think it's really interesting that the very scars that Jesus had, the, the nail wounds in, his, in his, his arms, in his feet, in his side, in, in the thorns, the very things that were designed to kill him were the very things that testified of his resurrection. And there are people in this room right now, you have scars. Everybody has scars. Some things were done to you, some things were done by you, but we have scars. But what happens with the resurrection power of God, we get healed. So when people begin to touch the parts of our lives that once were hurt and in pain, then they don't hurt anymore. And it begins to tell the story of Jesus Christ's resurrection. This is the healing power of God. He wants to move us beyond our grief, beyond our pain, beyond all those things that hold us back and give us freedom. So the very scars that were designed to kill you and kill me and destroy our faith are the very things that will testify of the resurrection power of Jesus. That's what that is. And so then, in verse 29, Jesus told after Thomas touched the scars and he said, my Lord, my God, I believe. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without even seeing me. Isn't that great? Hey, blessed are you. When you, when you blessed are those who don't even see me. We can't see Jesus. We don't see his scars. But blessed are us who believe and trust in him and believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. We got to move past grief and pain. 
The next one is unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Here it is the same day, Sunday. Here it is seven miles outside of Jerusalem. Luke 24 Verse 13, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Isn't it like Jesus just to kind of show up suddenly? Isn't it like you're just walking along, making, minding your own business, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up? says, here I am. But God kept them from recognizing him. And he asked them. I, I can only imagine Jesus the way he asked this question. I mean, here he's walking along like, with, 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 with people saying, two guys saying, oh, dog, man, what happened? Oh, my goodness. So Jesus is like, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Well, they sta- stopped short with sadness written across their faces. Then one of them replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem you got to be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that happened here in the last few days. You're the only one. Basically, they looked at Jesus and said, what rock did you climb out from behind? <laughs> Just a thought. <laughs> what rock did you climb out? <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I just thought that was really, really good. Thank you. My mom's not here to tell me that was good, so you all better. Come on, somebody. What, what, you're the only one. So Jesus asked, what things? You know, do you know what Jesus is asking us today? Not, he, Jesus, Jesus knows what happened. He's asking us, what things to you, to me? He's asking you today. What things? What does it mean to you personally? Not just, he knows it happened. I told you it's historically true. Not not just according to the the Bible, but history proves it out here. What happened here? What happened? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. We had hoped. There's many people today that have a hope that Jesus will show up some way in their life. I don't know what your unmet expectation from God has been. Maybe it's been a marriage that you thought would work out and the marriage didn't work out. Maybe it's you had a child that was sick and you prayed and asked God to heal that child and they didn't get healed. Maybe it was a, a parent that, that left. You had an expectation that they were always going to be there. Maybe you're still single and you're like, hey God, what's up with this? I had an expectation this would happen. I know what some of my unmet expectations are. I thought things would be different by now. I thought if I followed God, everything would be okay. And sometimes you can be a follower of Jesus and everything doesn't become perfect. I can, I can have that in my life. 
I thought our church would be farther along. I thought I'd be farther along. I thought all these things would have happened by now. I have this regularly in my life. But I have to keep going back to what did happen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ changed me on August 14th. 1980, radically changed my life from the inside out. I know that I know that, but I have to keep going back to the resurrection power because if we don't, we're going to get wallowing in our unmet expectation. We're going to get wallowing in our grief and pain. We'll get wallowing in the wrong things here. And rather than telling his story, we just, we just begin telling our story. Do you know what's interesting that happened with with uh, the, the Marys and their friend and then Thomas and then the two guys from the road to Emmaus, they basically were like, they went and started telling everybody. See, when you experience the resurrection power of Jesus, it's a big deal. You can't help but get excited about it. When it's no longer just mental ascent, when it's no longer just a story that you've heard, when it becomes a part of your life, you can't help. You run and tell people. It's just a natural thing. Hey, the third thing that hinders us and creates unbelief is this. Guilt and shame. Oh, there's grief and pain that bring doubt, unmet expectations. Sometimes Jesus is alive right in front of us and we can't see it. But how about guilt and shame? Here's Peter. Peter was a follower. Are you tracking me? There's people that walked with Jesus and had trouble believing. If they did, how much more do you think we do? That's why we need one another. That's why we need a church. That's why we need people so we can figure this thing out together. So Peter denies Jesus not once, not twice, three times. And I know that many of us I would never deny Jesus. Many times we do. We deny him by our actions. We deny him by the things we leave out of our lives. We deny him by the things we just naturally get caught up with on a regular basis. And so Peter denied Jesus. After Peter was the one that got out of the boat and walked on the water. Everybody says, yeah, but he's the one that sank. No, he's the one that walked on the water. This is how much, this is the relationship he had. And he denied him. And some of us in this room right now, we've been followers of Jesus so long, we have just begun to deny him with our actions. We begin to deny him by the things we leave out of our lives. With our lifestyle, with our, with our choices, with our, the chances that we take. So Peter shows up and he sees the empty tomb, but he goes home marveling. And then he sees Jesus again. Jesus shows up later, and he says, I'm out of here. I'm going fishing. Listen, you got to make a decision. When you leave here today, are you just going to go home and not inquire anymore? Or are you just going to go back and go fishing, do what you've always done? You can make that decision. But sometimes our very own guilt and shame in our lives prevent us from experiencing the true resurrection power of God. Some things done to us, some things done by us, but they both crush us. But it's interesting, as Peter was out fishing, Jesus shows up. You know, everybody that experienced the resurrection, they go and tell others. Peter goes, goes fishing. 
Do you know what Jesus did? He went looking. He said, I'm going to go find, I'm going to go find Peter. I got, I got work for him to do. Some of you in this room right now, you've been hiding from Jesus because of guilt and shame, because of pain, because of unbelief. And you're here today because something's yearning on the inside of you. There is something on the inside that's yearning for more, looking for that real thing that can satisfy Jesus. And Jesus is looking for you because he has work for you to do. Just, and some of you have been just walking away on your road to Emmaus, and Jesus just showed up. So what happened? you got to make a decision. you got to make a decision because guilt and shame will drive you. Guilt and shame will push you. It has a funny way of blinding us to Jesus' presence because we're not good enough. We don't measure up. We've let Jesus down. If that's you today, you're the ones that Jesus is looking for because he, get, he has work for us to do. Everybody that experiences the resurrection power of Jesus in, the, in this book, in this book, they, they keep showing up. They're the ones that he builds his church upon. And there's people in this room right now, you may feel far away. You may feel like I don't deserve it. You may feel like I don't have time for it. And you, it's, it's people like you and me that, that Jesus is looking for. He's been looking for you. He's looking for people like us to build with and to do something with. We're the ones. I don't know about your reasons for unbelief, grief and pain, unmet expectations, guilt and shame. But let me just tell you this. Wrong belief is just as bad as unbelief. Wrong belief is if God is love, everybody gets to go to heaven. That's only half true. He is a God of love, and God does love everybody, but everybody doesn't just get to go to heaven. That's a wrong belief. There's, there's going to be a lot of good people in, in hell. They didn't transfer their trust completely to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. If you believe in God, just believe in God. There's a lot of people that believe in God, but belief in God isn't enough. A faith in God produces something from within. Well, God wants me to be happy. He wants to give us everything we want. I believe that God doesn't just want you to be happy. He wants to make us holy because when you're holy, you'll become happy. Now, I don't believe God wants to make us miserable, but God wants to give us a joy on the inside. Being a Christian doesn't take sacrifice. Wrong belief. It takes, it, it does. Christianity is just between me and God. It's just, a, it's just a private thing. Wrong belief. Nowhere do you see it, it's, it's, just a, it, it, it's just a private thing. No, it's supposed to be a personal thing. There's a difference between personal and private. I just need to be as good as I can. And God will take me that this is the way I am. Those, my friends, are wrong beliefs. This is the big idea if you haven't caught it. Easter Sunday is not meant to be an event we remember, but a transformation we experience. Will you stand to your feet with me today? I just want to thank you for coming today. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy lives and busy schedules and took some time out just to say, I I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make time for Jesus today. This is a big deal. 
And I don't know where you are with God right now, but I believe that God is, that some of you are, God's working on your heart. Some of you, the, the guys on the road to Emmaus said, didn't our hearts burn within us? The way I say it, sometimes your heart's pounding, your palms get sweaty because something real from God is happening inside you. So I want to close with a couple verses here to help you. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord, and that's a fancy word for just saying He's in charge. He's the leader now. He's going to call the shots in my life, not me. And you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, didn't just die on the cross. Jesus isn't in the tomb. He's not on the cross. He is alive and well. For it's by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring. Twice in these verses. Openly declaring that you are followers of Jesus. I don't know where you are with God right now. But may, I believe there's people in this room that you made a commitment to God a long time ago, but you've been denying Him. You've, you've, you just walked away. Today is your day, Easter Sunday, 2022, is your day to say, welcome home. I'm going to now not just acknowledge God, I want to entrust, I want to have faith completely on what Jesus Christ has done. I believe there's people in this room right now saying, I need to, I need to be welcomed home. i got to get back home to be with Jesus. And there's other people, if you've never done it, you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, there's a good chance you don't have a relationship. I know the day that, that, that I, I got married to my wife, Natalie. There's a specific time and a specific place where I committed my life to her. The same is true with my relationship with God the Father. There was a day and there was a time I openly declared, Jesus, forgive me of my sin and lead me to my future. And Jesus promised us, us to walk with us and to help us, help us through life. I don't know about you, but I could use all the help I could get. Because I, I don't just want to get saved from hell. I want to get saved from me in the here and now. How about you? I need saved from me, my destruction. Because destruction lies inside of me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this great group of people that are gathered here today. And Lord God, I thank you so much for all that you're doing and saying and, 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 and allowing us to worship you here today, Father. Thank you, God, for that. And so, God, I thank you for each and every one in this room right now. Lord God, that, that we would never be the same as a result of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here today and you don't have a date or a moment or time that you became a follower of Jesus, I want to offer you this moment today to openly declare. If you did it a long time ago but you haven't been living it, today is your day to welcome back home. Make a line in the sand. Jesus, my forgiver. Jesus, my leader. I'm going to try to figure out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If that's you today, I just want you just to do something really bold. I want you to openly declare like we saw twice in the Bible. So at this time, if that's you right now, and you say, Jesus, my forgiver, Jesus, my leader, I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. Don't get concerned with anybody else to your left or your right or in front of you or behind you. Just let's simply slip up your hand. Say, here I am. 
This is me. This is my life. I just got to have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody in the house today that says, that's me, Pastor? I got to have that today. Anybody at all? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Keep your hand up. Just thank you, Lord. Keep your hand up. Anybody else? Just say, man, I got to have this above all things. I need a new start. I need a new place. What's going to happen? Just anybody else? As your hands up, somebody's going to come up beside you, and they're just going to ask to pray for you. You're not going to, you're not going to sign you up for anything. All they're going to say is, can I pray for you? That's what they're going to do. Just so I don't, you don't have to come up here and pray in the microphone. You don't have to do anything public up here. But people are going to come up to you and just say, I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those that have responded today. Let us all, God, mark our lives, Lord God, with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ today. In Jesus' awesome, holy name, amen.